Welcome back to Shattered Glass, a collection of stories about my family's experiences before, during, and after the Holocaust. Going into these interviews with my dad and uncle, I was really curious about how and when they learned of their parents' wartime experiences. Did they grow up hearing stories about their parents' lives in Poland before the war? Did they know their father spent years doing hard labor in a Russian gulag? Did they hear about Leon and Bella's fairy tale reunion at a train station in the south of the Soviet Union? It turns out that Bella and Leon kept these stories from George and Sai until they were grown and gone from their apartment in Midwood, Brooklyn. But given the context in which he grew up, Sai knew from a very early age what had generally happened to his family back in Europe. He was three and a half when someone asked him if he wanted to go back to Germany where he was born. And I said no because they killed my grandparents. So even at a young age, I really knew the story to a large degree. George told me that he grew up with the story that his father had been a capo during the war. The story that I grew up with, which even as a kid, I was like, there's something missing here. But I didn't want to press them because it was so painful. But I was told that my dad had been a capo. A capo worked in a concentration camp and worked as a kind of watchdog and messenger and organizer for the, for, the, for the Germans, for the Nazis, helping them manage the camp population. And my dad never struck me as that type. Yeah, I know that in war, you do what you have to do to survive. I totally get that. But I didn't think he was frankly capable of doing that. So I never really, in my heart and my soul and my gut, I never really, really believed it. But George never pushed his parents to tell him what had really happened. It only came up when my parents felt they needed to tell me. Or we were talking about something and it became impossible not to talk about it. I have no memory, and it would have been out of character, I think, for me to say, so what really happened? And, and press them. Because it was clear that they wouldn't want to talk about it. And they were not easy to talk to because you know, English was not their first language. Uh, also, you know, war is a de very depressing topic of conversation. When I asked my dad how he could tell his parents didn't want to talk about their experiences during the war, he said, My mother in tears saying she missed her parents. It wasn't until George was a freshman in college and Sai was in his late 20s that Bella and Leon told them the stories that you just heard in these last four episodes. Here's George. When I was, I believe it when I was a freshman in college, which would have been late 1973. So I should remember this also, because the way I remember it is was he was there. Uh, the four of us are sitting around the kitchen table. And like my mom turns to my dad and says, Leon, now. And he gets up and he goes to um, a very inexpensive metal cabinet in the kitchen. And he goes to the part of the cabinet where they keep their, kept their like official papers and stuff, you know, pay, paychecks and bills to pay and things like that. And he pulls out an envelope and the envelope was old 
And I recognized the stamp as being very old because the cost of the stamp was, you know, half or a third what it was at the current time. The postmark, as I remember it, was 1966. And he opened the envelope and the piece of paper said something to the effect of, this is what really happened during the war. And they kind of read from that. And that was the story that I've told you. And the question was, why didn't you tell us? And the two answers were, you were too young. And number two was, you know, between 1945 and 1989, there was a very serious Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union. And there were there was what was called a Red Scare, where your career was at risk if you were accused of or thought to be uh, a Soviet agent. So my parents were like, well, we really don't want people to know we were in the Soviet Union for a while, do we? <laughs> and you really shouldn't tell children really important family secrets because children are children. So that's how I understand why they waited. I asked George if he thought there were other reasons his parents didn't discuss their past with him as a child. He believes that it was also because Bella and Leon imposed a future orientation on him as he grew up. It doesn't matter where we're from, you know, what happened to, 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 to our parents. What's important is that, you know, tomorrow you get an A on that paper. <laughs> you get a 96 on that math test that you got an 85 on last time, and we were very disappointed in you because you don't want to, you know, be a blue-collar person like us. You want to be, you know, a, a prosperous American. George felt shocked and a little betrayed after Bella and Leon told him what had really happened during the war. You know, why didn't they tell me? Don't they trust me? Uh, but in retrospect, I'm very, very glad that they waited until then because I, I was much better equipped to process the extremely heavy information. Um, and also, you know, by coincidence, I was distracted because I was in college and, you know, college, college life and all that. Sai was also shocked and betrayed, and he was and he's 10 years older than me, and they waited to tell us both at the same time. When I asked George how being a child of Holocaust survivors impacted his childhood, he told me about a picture book. One of the, um, the picture books that I had as a child were actually the documentation photos of the concentration camps with the, with the heaps of corpses and I mean, many heaps of many corpses, and the people who obviously had starved to death and were utter, utterly emaciated, um, and the filth and the barbed wire, um, and the, the very shoddy wooden barracks. And I can see the pictures in my head today. And my parents who had lived through it and had no concept of you know, how Americans think about, you know, well, what do you expose children to at different points in their lives? Uh, they didn't realize that they, that was like dropping a nuclear bomb between my ears. And this is when I was very, very young. I'm talking five, six, seven years old. And it darkly colored my framework for understanding humanity and what people are capable of. Um, I'm told that Eisenhower, on uh, liberating the camps, ordered that everything be filmed because he thought nobody would believe him. 
Okay. So imagine dropping that on a five-year-old. So, you know, it, um, it's that darkness never leaves. Never. It wasn't until the 1980s, when George was in his late 20s, that he learned that he was not alone in that darkness. He read a book called Children of the Holocaust by Helen Epstein and described it to me as an absolute revelation. I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only one who felt this way. And I felt so much better because I thought that I was a freak having all these dark thoughts and framing humanity in this way. And everyone I knew growing up had grandparents in their lives and were prosperous and could speak English well at home. And I had no grandparents and millions of people like me had been butchered, horribly slaughtered just because of the their accident of birth and um it was very uplifting to know that i was not the only one who had been for lack of a better word damaged in that manner and that my damage was not unique and the damage was not my fault i didn't know that it was well, i'm just reacting badly to this so therefore i'm weak this was like you expose children to this to this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to fuck them up. <laughs> so uh, my uh, my issues were not peculiar, but were a known, understandable. I don't want to say widely distributed, but you know, not unique fallout, if you will. In 1933, there were 9.5 million Jews in Europe. By 1945, the Nazis had murdered approximately 6 million of them, and at least 5 million Soviet prisoners of war, Roman, Jehovah's Witnesses, homosexuals, and other victims they deemed undeserving of life. Remember the painted glass I mentioned in the first episode? The one that represents a group of people? Well, after the Nazis shattered it through deliberate, vile, and systematic murder, two out of every three European Jews were gone. I'm lucky and grateful to be able to share my family's story with you, even though they are heavy and traumatic. So many families did not survive, so there's no one left to tell their stories. Millions of lives, millions of stories, millions of families and friendships were destroyed and have vanished. As of late 2023, there are approximately 240,000 Holocaust survivors still alive. 240,000 remaining shards of glass. So many stories, so many shards have been lost due to murder, and due to the passage of time. The youngest survivors are in their late 70s. They were too young during the war to have any memories of the time. And older survivors may not remember or have decided not to share their wartime experiences. 
In these five episodes, you've learned about only a couple of these shards of glass. Leon and Bella's stories are two of millions. In the following episodes of this series, you'll hear from George and Sai's cousins, the children of Leon's siblings, about their parents' wartime experiences and how they impacted their own childhoods. And like I said in the introduction to this series, each individual story, each shard of glass, differs vastly from every other piece. Even the pieces that were right next to it in the unbroken pain. The stories you'll hear from my first cousins once removed will demonstrate just how fractured my family's story is. George and Sai's cousin Gail grew up in communist Poland and moved to the U.S. when she was 11. Leon's brother Jurek was a leader of the resistance in the Łódź ghetto and later became an economist in the U.S. Another one of George's cousins, Frances, lives in Australia because her parents wanted to get as far away from Europe as they could. As I wrote this outro, I struggled to come up with a neat ending to Leon and Bella and George and Sai's stories. But I've realized there is no way to tie a pretty bow around my family's history. It's messy and fragmented and ongoing, but this is my attempt at recounting what's left. Thank you for listening to Shattered Glass. This series is researched, interviewed, narrated, and produced by me, Sam Zacker. The music is Taudella from Blue Dot Studios.